focus, focus up. Welcome to the Rubio Method. We have a phenomenal show. Our guest is coming all the way from Ireland. We're really thankful since it's about midnight where he's at. On today's episode, we're gonna be talking about first jobs, being alone, politics. You're not supposed to talk about that. Um, the Rona, I'm not sure if you can talk about that. Jocks versus nerds and your mind, all of that and much, much more on episode eight of the Rubio Method. Big T, let it rain. Welcome back. Remember, if you have any questions, you can feel free to email us, rubio at therubiomethod.com. You can catch us on YouTube, Google, Amazon, Spotify, more are coming soon. Two big announcements right out of the gate. First one is a little bit of a just small, small one. I want everyone to notice that I am sitting down. The heads of the show kind of said, Rubio, if you're standing, you kind of look a little too mean and aggressive. So I'm sitting down. So if I look and feel a little, oh, I do feel a little awkward, but if I look a little awkward, just go with it. Just go with it. We're going to try this sitting down method out. And the second big, big, big announcement, Monahan is a dad. Welcome to the world, Jet Michael Monahan. Monahan, congratulations, my man. Ooh, thank you so much. Literally the coolest feeling in the world. Becoming a dad is probably the best thing ever happened. I have slept probably about seven hours since Sunday. <laughs> so it's been tough, but loving every second of it. Fantastic. It's, it's a great, great ride. I have three boys. You have a boy. so And your boy is actually born one day before my youngest, Damon. Shout out to Damon. What's going on? We have a new segment that we're going to add. We're going to spotlight Monahan. We're going to call it A Minute with Monahan. Monahan, explain the segment and tell us what you're going to do. Yeah, The Minute with Monahan is just an awesome time for, for me to kind of give you some tips, advice, useful things to help with any type of mental health or any any type of health situation that you've got going on, uh, we just want to help. We want to be a resource for you, and that is the kids' time to shine to help you guys out with any type of mental stuff that uh, you may need. Okay, you've got 60 seconds, Monahan. Go. All right, here we go. Time to make it rain. First things first is uh, panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Everybody has them. I hate to say it's normal because it's it's kind of a, a deal that our bodies go through. Uh, but if you ever find yourself in the middle of a panic attack, right, you feel like you're having a heart attack, you're feeling like the, your chest is closing in, what I need you to do is sit down and plant your feet firmly to the ground so you know exactly where you are, and I need you to start taking some deep breaths. If you're a type of cat that starts getting anxiety attacks often, practice this daily. So you're gonna sit down, you're going you're gonna to put your hand on your chest and one on your belly, and you let you breathe in like this. And just hold it for a second, and then breathe out with your mouth, right? First on or with your nose. Out with your mouth. That oxygen that gets to your brain really helps you out, bring mental clarity to the situation. It allows you to kind of refocus, recalibrate your mind, and really allows you to take your mind off of what's going on or what's causing you to be anxious. So do that for seven to 10 minutes, and uh, you'll find that your anxiety should be cooled down. Uh, I've, I've actually done this with someone where they were in full convulsions convulsions on the ground, and I walked her through this, and she was able to come back too. 
So that is my Monahan Minute, and you guys are good to go. That's fantastic, Monahan. Now let's go to website questions. I really like that, though, that breathing in and do I'm going to try that. I don't get a lot of panic attacks, but if I do, that's the first thing I'm going to think about. I better not get a panic attack now like some 40 and think this is going to happen. But we'll talk about that later. Monahan, you have some website questions for us. Dude, these questions are a little bit spicy. So uh, first one is not so bad, but the rest, they get the chili hot, and I love it. First one is Nick and Rubio, what was your first job? This is from Tracy from New Jersey. Monahan, I'm going to take this one first. My first job, the irony is quite, quite thick on this one. I was 16 years old, living in California, my aunt, had she ran not the entire company but she was the manager of the store and she brought in the company was nutrisystem okay nutrisystem is a weight loss <laughs> company i believe they're still around i'm not sure jenny craig weight watchers monhan's laughing because immediately he's going back to visuals of rubio at 16 where i was probably <laughs> six one and a half six two and let's say a lot closer to three bills than two um so they kind of put me in the back storage area everyone had to come and get weight do all this stuff and they had to fill out their sheet of all the food that they were going to get. Well, they kind of just put it into this mail slot, and Big Rubio was back there kind of hidden like Igor in the back, and I would just fill up their big box of food and shove it out through the slot again, and I did my job. at. So I worked for a weight loss company at 300 pounds at age 16. That was my first job. On hand, what was your first job? That's, I'm in. I support the whole thing. I would have loved to seen it. My first job, believe it or not, <laughs> you could probably tell, was a host at BD's Mongolian Grill in Bolingbrook, Illinois. It was literally, other than the job that I have now, it's probably my favorite job of all time. Well, nice. stop talking to people. I can through. definitely see that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Just keep it running, baby. Um, in fact, uh, when I went to your camp at Top 12, that's what I was working there, and you got you gave me the call saying I was in. Um, next question is, what is the hardest part about making the show? This is from Big Town, Tony in North Carolina. I think I'm going to handle this one first on this guy. I think for me the hardest part is the fact that you have to really be quite the visionary and, and look forward while building backwards. I think that's been the toughest part for me on the show is, because I'm like big picture, love, love, love doing that. But I think for me, that's been the toughest part. I have, I have two toughest parts. Number one, I don't know if you guys can tell, there's a little bit of a delay every once in a while. And the problem is that Mona and I are both alpha human beings that love to talk and we want to keep talking. And whenever one of us pauses, the other one doesn't know when the other one's paused yet. So it kind of becomes this traffic jam and I'm just going to let it be a traffic jam. So every time it happens from this point on, I'm just going to yell out traffic jam and I'm going to do it like I do in life with a bigger car wins. So Monahan, every time there's a traffic jam, I'm just going to keep going because I'm the bigger car at this point in life. Maybe if you gain some weight, but you don't want to. You can be <laughs> I'm a, a little the, the over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the second part that's difficult is I'm used to speaking in front of crowds. And right now, it's just me in my little office studio. And I have a camera right in front of me in the, the monitor behind it. So it's very weird talking, telling a story, knowing there should be a laugh or maybe not a laugh and not getting the audience's reaction. So that's a little bit tougher. Hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get some audience play at some point. Third question, Monahan. All right. Third and last, baby. Uh, you guys always say you don't agree on a lot of stuff. But you always seem to agree on everything. What's the deal? This is from Stacy in Idaho. 
I hope I'm going to go first on this one, Mayan. I yes, we do get along the majority of the time. When we don't get along, it, it's usually two things. Uh, politically, I would say Monahan, I, Monahan goes one way, I go the other. We're pretty far apart, but I, Monahan's coming a little bit closer to me, and we agree on certain things, but I'd say the majority we do not agree politically. And the second one is I'm more of a confrontational person where I love to argue, I love to debate, I love to have these confrontations almost where I want to talk. I, I, you, know, you disagree with me? Fantastic. I disagree with you. You tell me why I'm an ass, and I'll tell you why you're and let's talk about it. Monahan is, in my opinion, is more of, I'm out. I don't want to talk about it. Well, you think what you think. I'll think what I think. I don't. I don't want the confrontation. That that's my opinion, Monahan. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. And in fact, I got yelled at for this show because I like we'll just hunker down and be like, oh no, no, you're right. Uh, my way, you don't need it. But uh, yeah, I would definitely agree. I hate confrontation, um, so I uh, flee from it. But You'll start to see. I think you'll start to see. I'm going to come out of my shawl and let it rain. Fantastic. And if you have any more questions for the Rubio Method, just simply email rubio at therubiomethod.com. We get a lot of questions. Hopefully, we can get it up on the air. We've got a great guest coming up all the way from Ireland, Big T. Let it rain. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for help with food, health care, and other resources. 211, how can I help you? Call 211 or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. Focus. Focus up. Welcome back to the Rubio Method. I'm very, very excited about our next guest. His name is Dr. Connor Hogan. He comes all the way from Ireland. His accent is fantastic. You know how much I love a good accent. Uh, we met about maybe a couple of years ago. He asked me basically just for an interview. He's writing a book. He's talking to different types of coaches. We kind of fell together and kind of worked really, really well together. He is super Super smart. I mean, it hurts my mind at times just thinking of what he's thinking. Super, super bright guy. Let me give you his background. Dr. Connor Hogan, PhD, is a world leader in high performance and helps organizations and companies reach their desired levels of success. He has co-authored four books. He's also writing a book at present that concentrates on high performance strategies he has also guided professional musicians, elite professional sports people, and world record holders. Dr. Connor Hogan, thank you so much for opening up your nighttime with us. Well, it's great to be here. I hope you can understand my accent, first off. I love your accent. I want you to just keep talking nonstop. You are like the Barry White of accents. It's so smooth. Yeah, if you just <laughs> want to read the Declaration of Independence to me, that'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. All right, Doc, we've got three quick questions for you just to kind of get everything right. moving. Number one, what's the best thing to do in Ireland? 
Drink. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I love this guy. I knew it. <laughs> okay, I was, I was kind of thinking that was the answer, but I wasn't sure. But okay, number two. Is soccer the best sport in the world? Hmm. Is soccer the best sport in the world? Well, we've got our Irish games. You know, we've got hurling and football as well, our version of football. So they're pretty much, like, unbelievable. I mean, hurling is known as the fastest field game in the world. So Is hurling rugby? Is hurling rugby? No, hurling is like a cross between... It's a cross between, we'll say, field hockey and, well, it's like field hockey where you can handle the ball and the ball can go in the air as well. So you can also tackle with the stick in the air and there's also physicality. <laughs> Number three, do you know your accent is fantastic and can you give us some Irish slang? I can. I can say Pogue Mahone. That's an Irish slang phrase uh, in answer to that, too. <laughs> oh, Pogue Mahone. What is that? Yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that. It means kiss my ass. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, let's go. That's fantastic. All right, Doc. All right. You are really into the mind and all that stuff. How, how did you get into what you do? And kind of explain to us what you do. I, I know I read the little bio and all that stuff, but kind of break it down a little bit more of exactly what you do. Yes, you write books, but what the background of it? How did you get into it and what do you do? Well, I got into it first because, well, I was always interested and played a lot of sport when I was very young. And so that kind of interlinks with one of the things you were talking about earlier on, which is first jobs, but I'll talk about that again. But I worked in a sporting area. So you can imagine 10, 12, 13-year-olds who love sport, playing sport every evening, and then actually working in a sporting place as well during the day. So it was like sport, sport, sport. And physically then I got injured, and I was a very tall, athletic guy. And then by the time my late teens, I was in a lot of difficulties. So I went everywhere for injury prevention, injury curing, trying to find out exactly what was wrong with my body, went the traditional medical route. And then obviously that didn't work for me. And so that tests your mind, but also I started seeing the connections and reading about everything. You know, I was obviously a good reader and reading about everything, the mind-body connection, that brought me into more the mind and the brain and the neuroscience of things. Okay, so you're, you're all about working with the mind and the sports and all that. When you are doing this, you obviously, you're going to be working with jocks, but you're also going to be working with other people. Is there certain types of people that it's easier to work with to try to get them out of, say, if they have, you know, the quote-unquote yips, or all of a sudden the kicker can't, you know, he's got a free kick for, for soccer. We'll go back to soccer. We'll, I don't know the rules of hurling yet, so I'll get to that later. But he gets a free kick, and all of a sudden he just can't get it going. He's got the yips. Are, are there better athletes to work with are people like left-minded uh, persons or right-brain, excuse me, left-brain, right-brain, nerds, jocks. Who's the best and who's the hardest people to work with and how do you deal with that? Well, I think the best way is to, you know, do everything individual. At the end of the day, there's people that are, for example, if you take soccer, right, uh, penalty shootout. We've seen Liverpool in the English soccer or the European football championship that was just, you know, finished a few days ago. And Liverpool were going for four 
out of four of the cups, the big competitions that they were in. There was only four competitions. So they were going for the four. They won the first two on penalties. So cup finals were won on penalties. And the first of those actually went to 10 penalties, I think, or 11 penalties, where the actual substitutes even took a penalty. So you're talking about, in that case, in the, like that's 11, 12 you know, people on one team and 11, 12 people on the other team. So you're going to have all different types of people. So left brain, white brain, whatever type of way a person thinks, it really doesn't matter. You have to target the individual with regard to that specific action, which is, like you said, either a penalty kick in soccer or a kicker in football or whatever else. Okay, so you say, because we ha we'll have a lot of jocks, well, so I'll probably have a couple of nerds on watching this one, a lot of nerds, I'm okay with both. They get the yips. How, what's, give us, can you give us a tip for them? For, the say, the jocks, like you got Joe Jock coming in, and then you've got Joe Nerd coming in. They both think completely different. One's more analytical, one's more, you know, Athens yeah. and Sparta, okay? They're completely opposite. How would you give them tips? Okay, so the top of the show there, Nick, in his wonderful minute, was talking about basically within a minute he was saying, you know, if we can just ground ourselves, if we can, you know, sit tight, put our feet to the ground, be aware of our body. That's a physical thing, the way he explained that, and that was really well explained. So if a person is non-analytical, you could say and show them something like that because they just want the fix. They just want it straight away. They just want the technique. That took, you know, 60 seconds or less. You could even go on the field of play during the time they're preparing to take a kick and even explain that, even if it was the very first time. But the other type of person, the very analytical person, they want to know the science behind it, like why. You know, certainly I was the type of person always growing up and it was always why, 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 how, 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 and so on. So I need to know what was going on behind all of this. And even in the 30 seconds, if, you know, you're in a pressurized situation, I'd be still kind of questioning things, you know. So you have to obviously cater for that type of person. So in that regard, I would give them a simple scientific explanation where are we perceive things. So for kicking, we perceive the goalposts to be a certain distance or a certain angle or whatever else. And so we can see the distance between the, the goalkeeper in soccer, for example, or, you know, again, the angled kick in football. So the perception, our grounding, again, like Nick is saying, well, all of that, like what we can see left and right of ourselves, the crowd, the, the cheering, the audio that's coming in, all that is intake, and that goes into our brain. And then, of course, that brain is leading down our nervous system through our spine. And so, therefore, we can have all different types of reactions. Going back to the individual, again, every individual is different. Some person might feel it in their stomach where they feel sick all of a sudden. Another person might, like Monaghan said there earlier on, with regard to the breathing that, you know, straight away their breathing might just go chaotic. Everybody is different. You know, everyone else has, a, you know, the number twos might come along or whatever else. So everyone is different, but you're giving a more rounded explanation in that regard then. That's really good. I love one more that. thing, Monahan. Let really me cut good. you off. Let me cut you off, Monty, real quick. One, one, one thing, Monahan. How do you make it? Because you are, you are. When I think of smart people, you're like a, the, the the top of the list. Okay, you're you're like way way up there. How do you dumb it down for people? Like you've got just caveman, but he's missing his kick. Caveman, but he's all of a sudden he can't throw a strike. Caveman, he can't pass the ball. Caveman, he can't do this. How do you dumb yourself down? I don't mean dumb, but dumb yourself down to explain it to that person? Well, I think it's all about 
basically looking at the kick or the pass, whatever sport it is or whatever action it is, looking at from that reverse engineer it back to the person, be that tailored, be that, you know, individualistic towards them. Because, you know, people just want to, like, especially a sports person, if they're used to kicking, you know, they're out practicing 100 kicks in a session or whatever else. And so they're just, that action, that technique that they learned that has been trusted, even golfers, we take golfers, we look at the U.S. Masters, for example. Their technique, you know, they get golf swing coaches and so on. But the technique that has brought them there that to that level where they're actually at the U.S. Masters, that's very hard to um, overwrite within a weekend of a tournament from, say, Thursday through to Sunday. So you have to kind of look at, well, what are we going to do in five seconds? We're going to be hitting the ball. We're going to be passing the ball. So look at from there backwards towards the individual. And again, it's about getting to know the person, like you said earlier on. Are they analytical? Are they a different type? What way or you know, perceptions that they see or feel or hear around them? So everybody's different and the situation and environment is different too. So you have to take it all into account within that small time frame. Man, I feel smarter just listening to you. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really good. Uh, the big question that I have, Dr. Hogan, is so I am a musician. I slap the hell out of the bass, baby. Let's go. We're right here. How do, you, how do you explain or what role does music play for your mental state? Like you had said that everyone's different, but, you know, obviously you got those who listen to Kenny G before games and some that are listening to Metallica or like Five Finger Death Punch. How would you kind of describe the role that music plays? Yeah, so first of all, you mentioned there in the back end of your question with regard to, uh, what, Kitty G? Uh, listen, I don't know who these guys are, but I trust they're good, all right? So that's obviously music that you listen to quite a lot, and you've actually, you know, for many years, that's worn into your psyche, right? That's there. You know, someone said right away, look, you've got a big game or a performance on stage right now. Don't listen to the, that warm-up music or the music you're already used to doing it's not going to work because you're doing it you're listening to that band or that music for years and so the rhythm that's the second thing so it's, it's actually wired into your brain that's you know that you can actually remember and it links back of course within your brain to memories music is a huge way of you know linking back especially to our youth you know a lot of people the first sign of independence and this you know to the listener who's for example, talking about jobs, if we think back to our first job, our first independence probably was around the same time, 16, 18, 20 years of age or so. And so the music that was really cool back then or what you perceived was cool was, you know, it's really indelibly linked to your memories as well. So there's, those neurons are connected to a different part of your brain, which is really cool. And so the language then you use, which is really interesting as well. So language that could come from say ice ice baby you know when you hear ice ice again in a phrase if you're a person who listened back to the late 80s 90s or whatever else that kind of music and i'm looking at rubio here specifically you will actually you know be able to link that to a memory certain and i wanted to you know i'd love to see him do like a little bit of rendition on that um but also there's a deeper thing with music as well if you think of you know a crowd at a performance if you get them going if you're performing and if you're strumming that guitar correctly to a well-known song or something, there's going to be a unison. There's going to be a collective kind of energy. And that is like, you know, that's there's a lot of depth of that. There's a lot of research still going on with that. But that is like an underlying type of rhythm that's there as well. And we all can kind of sometimes feel, wow, I had a great night last night. I was dancing or whatever else was happening. 
because a certain band or certain music and there's a unison that people are not united because of, you know, a concert, something, you know, a united energy. So there's a huge thing going on, a very deep part of, I think, going back to like prehistoric times were wired for that kind of, and it brings in the whole, not just the rhythm of what's happening in the dance, but also the history, you know, this kind of uh, laughing and all this kind of fun and the connectivity that human beings really desire and which was proven with regard to lockdowns and pandemics that we've all experienced now, unfortunately. You hurt my head again, but in a good way. Uh, You (laughs) traffic jam right there, my head. Uh, (laughs) You hurt my head in a good way. Speaking of the pandemic, over the last two to three years, especially here in America, I don't know about Ireland, there's been just a boom, boom. Everyone's so, so stubborn nowadays. What, what do you think that is? It, it, am I seeing it incorrectly? Monty and I spoke about it a little bit, and we've actually butted heads on it too. Are people nowadays more stubborn? And, and my second question is, why can't people just take an L every once in a while? Why can't they just say, yeah, man, I, I made a mistake, whether it's believing one thing, voting one way, wishing something, hoping something. Why are people so stubborn nowadays, or am I wrong, Or and why are people not able to take a loss? I always say it. I say it about 10 times a day, which is kind of not a good thing. But I say, that's on me, my bad. Doc, what do you mean for me? So I think, and I mean, first off, here I am on the west coast of Europe, right, in Ireland, the only kind of English-speaking nation other than Great Britain, but Great Britain is now out of Europe politically and economically. So we're kind of like the the go-to place for U.S. with regard to a lot of different things. So it's interesting, even though we're like we're not physically connected as a landmass and there's the Atlantic Ocean between us, there's still that going on here as well since the pandemic. So here we are, we're physically out of it. And our prime minister here announced this back in late January. He said, look, we have the the pandemic under control. So go out and play, everybody. You know, do whatever you want to do. But yet here we are a few months later and people are not still kind of getting back to so-called normal ways. And, okay, you might say they have moved on individually in their lives or they're doing other things, and, and that might be the case. But there's definitely that kind of, you know, sort of sense of, while we're kind of in a, a transitional period, what's the next chapter? We don't know. But certainly people are not socializing as much. They're not habitually kind of having the same routines or even as energized routine as before the pandemic. They're looking at things differently, obviously, as well. But I do think that, for example, what you have going on is there's this kind of, if we look at, and you know, I mentioned, I think I said, I spoke to you before about this, Rubio with regard to Shawshank Redemption being one of our my favorite movies, right? That was in the late 90s. But basically, if we think of the Shawshank movie or any movie that has prisoners, right? We're watching that, you know, great movie, um, Escape to Alcatraz, these kind of things, right? And we're in the movie. We're in the, the theater hall. We're having the popcorn, whatever else. We're really in it. The sound is blaring. We're, we're feeling as if we're in prison with our favorite character and so on. When they get released, invariably the person, the prisoner who's released after 10 years or 20 years or escapes or whatever else, what happens? Mentally, they're not released. So physically, they're already open. 
but mentally they're not released. And if you look at the great, not to spoil it, spoiler alert, but, you know, with Shawshank Redemption, you had the same guy, I think it was Morgan Freeman, who was acting as a guy, a character called Red at the time, and he was released into the same physical apartment that was, you know, given to ex-cons at the time. And there was a mark, wasn't there, up on the, on the, on the ceiling where previous prisoners had been released and etched their names and initials that they were there. So they all went through the same thing with regard to trying to get back into normal physical life and routines, but they were institutionalized. So the question now is, and I don't have all the answers with regard to this, but we're all living through it, you know, seven and a half billion people. Are we all doing the same thing or are we kind of doing different things? But certainly, like I say, stubborn opinions, people are kind of stuck, I think, mentally back to 2020, March or so 2020, or whenever your particular country closed down or locked down or got frightened with it all. So people are stuck. That was a huge shock, a huge shock to individuals. And again, going back to your earlier question, everybody's different, aren't they? Some are analytical. Some people are kind of more dreamy and everyone's different in different ways. So there's going to be a huge sector of society that are going to be stubborn, going to be just, you know, mentally still exhausted or feeling as if they're not fully safe. And that last piece, I think, really underlies everything because our feelings of safety, that is the main, one of the main things our brain that's wired for is safety. Think back to prehistoric times. Think to hunter-gatherers. You've got people, men, leaving the caves where the females stayed in. So why? They've got to go out and they've got to forage for food. They see danger. They hear they you know, the weather changes or whatever else, they wait. Safety. Okay, so it's a survival instinct we have. So I think people are still in survival mode. And if you mix that up with personality traits and so on, you've got that stubbornness perhaps. Good God, you're smart. I mean, <laughs> you, you are phenomenal. D- Doc, that was, you are just, my gosh, it, it, I love talking to you because you're so bright, but I hate talking to you because you're so bright, if that makes sense at all. Monahan, I know you're probably feeling the exact same way. If you guys have questions for Doc, we make sure you just email the show, rubio at the rubiomethod.com, and I'll make sure he gets them. Doc, what, can you tell us a little bit, just to conclude, because I know it's, it's not basically, it is uh, midnight at your place. Um what are you doing for athletes? What, what do you want to promote right now? Basically, athletes, I'm talking about Ian Hill. What, what, what are you offering up people? How can they find out more information about you? I know you do fantastic videos on LinkedIn. If you're not uh, following him, you need to on LinkedIn. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so Ian Hill, as we know, is a guy who's 56 years old. And out of nowhere, an ordinary guy, he's going to become the oldest man to play Division One college football. So I'm working with Ian Hill day to day to try and get him to where he wants to go. And that is division one college football. And he will get there. So imagine if a 56 year old man can do that, an ordinary guy, maybe you can do that too. And actually to answer your question, I have a show on very soon. It's going to be called midlife opportunity. So that's the big opportunity for you, the viewer, to get in touch, like Rubio just said, get in touch to Rubio, to the Rubio Method, to Monaghan, to myself at .connor.com. That's D-O-C-C-O-N-O-R.com. You can email me at Connor at .connor.com. Just give me a Google my name and it'll come up and you can get me on all of these social medias. 
And yeah, let's have a conversation. Let's see where you are as a midlifer, as a male, and where you want to go. Now, it could be something very, very small. It could be just, you know, you want to lose a few pounds. You want to get over anxiety, like Monaghan said, or you want to, you know, get into the groove again, get back out living, get into your routine, or it can be something really big. You want to really achieve something. It could be anything from health, wealth, relationships, anything at all. It could be something unusual, or you might know somebody. So get in touch because we'll have that show very soon on this network, Midlife Opportunity. Doc Connor, thank you so much for being on here. Like I said, if you guys have any questions for him, you can go to his, his own email, his own website, and also Rubio at therubiomethod.com. You guys have done a great job sharing this on Amazon, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Big T, let it rain. My name is Dre, and I had a stroke when I was only 16 years old. I don't know if Dre would be here today if it wasn't for the work that the American Heart Association has done. The American Heart Association supports life-saving research that leads to medical breakthroughs, educating people on prevention and early detection, and working every day to find treatments and cures so you and your loved ones can live happier, healthier lives. To learn more, go to heart.org today. Thank you. Thank you. Focus. Focus up. Gabriel, I'm talking to you. My name Gabriel's this 10 or 11 year old kid uh, that I know watches the show. So I want to give him a little shout now. Hopefully he's, hopefully he's focused up right now. Uh, my name, let's talk about Doc Connor. Are you as amazed at him as I am? My small brain couldn't continue and follow with what he was saying he was tremendous i just want to like sit and talk to maybe narrate my life he was fantastic yeah he's one of those guys that i want to take a road trip with but i don't because i feel like the conversations are going to get so deep like if you notice every single thing the question i threw at him he's kind of going going we're we're on the same sidewalk and then all of a sudden he's like going back to prehistoric times i'm like geez doc okay good god yeah, and the fact that he, like, I feel like he's an unshakable dude. Hey, what about this? Well, you could draw a straight line to here. Well, you can, not me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm not even holding a crayon here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the bottom line segment. Bottom line is stuff you should have learned. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but most likely you did, and you probably didn't even realize you were doing it. Number one, be better and admit you are wrong. It's okay to be wrong every once in a while. You don't want to be wrong every single second of your life. At that point, you've got some issues. But number one, be better and admit when you are wrong. Number two, where you start usually is not where you will end up. Think about Monahan and I's first job. He was a host at some Mongolian beef restaurant. I was uh, serving food out of a, a postal hole. What do you call that? Mail, a mail hole uh, at about three clicks. Monahan, what are your thoughts on those first two? Be better and admit when you're wrong. And number two, where you start usually is not where you'll end up. Yeah, dude, the, the heart of the mission is found in the journey, man. Just one day at a time, you'll figure it out. 
And number three, the mind is an amazing thing. So keep it using it and use it to your advantage. Obviously, that leads right into Dr. Connor Hogan and his new show coming out on NGBN.TV. But I mean, this guy is the epitome of it. He, he wants to help you with your mind. And as long as, it, you know, they say this a lot with older people. I, I guess I'll, that's kind of be me, not you, Monahan, yet. Um, but you are going to age a lot now that you have that kid you watch, is you got to keep moving your mind, keep moving, keep reading, keep doing Sudoku, keep talking to different people. We always talk about that. So that's the last thing. The mind is an amazing thing, so keep using it and use it to your advantage. Monahan, that is a wrap on Episode 8. You are fantastic. Give Jet Michael Monahan a big hug for me. Not too big, but remember, belly button to belly button. Be the last one to let go. That's going to be a little hard for that kid right now. But... That was a great show. I'm very happy. Remember, if you have any questions, email Rubio at therubiomethod.com. Big T, let it rain.